Welcome back to the Rewatch. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I just wanted to make something messy. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> okay, I won't do that again. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Jay, and this is the Rewatch Podcast. I watch movies all the time. Then I like to rewatch them, and sometimes I'll even watch them again. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or just downright terrible. I'm going to watch them and then tell you all about them. And sometimes I'll have special guests join me. This is the Rewatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I'm Jay Thomas, and this week on this Star Wars Day, doing something that might be sort of bad and that i'm also not only are we talking about star wars but we are going to be talking about the star trek of the universe as well because i'm a fan of both and i really like them both and i'm not afraid to admit that and i'm with a, a very good friend of mine or i should say my my emperor john pebble welcome to the show thanks jay i've been waiting for an invitation to come on for what is it two years since it's been on it's about time as Lizzo would say it is, and I wanted to wait for a special time, and right now, we had a third season of a Star Wars show, and a third season of a Trek show, and I, ta- I talk about Star Wars with a lot of people. Not very many people that I know are as into Star Trek as you are, and I thought this would be a good time to talk about kind of, you know, the fandom of both, and how, I remember a long time ago, I asked you which one you preferred, and I always thought that too, like, which one do I prefer? I don't really have a preference. Like I have room for both of them in my life. Though I have a great way of putting it into perspective. So I'm in my fifties. So star Wars is a part of my early perfect years. Right. And next generation came along in high school. So I've been able to absorb most of it as it came out. Right. Week to week, year to year. And in 1999, that was the year that the star Wars film started again with the family. And my cousin, who's my same age when we're in our late twenties, we have like our own money. So, you know, we don't have to ask a parent for an action figure. We can do whatever we want. And he lived in California. And we went out and we had a blast seeing Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, several times in Hollywood places, went out to Joshua Tree and ended up in Las Vegas. And he was unaware that there was a thing called the Star Trek experience. It's it's now gone, but it was there. And we had been hopped up on Star Wars. And so we shifted into a Star Trek mode, hardcore. And that was also at the time that Deep Space Nine's series was ending. And so we were watching some of those final episodes in Vegas on a television in between Star Wars. And I make that point because when I have been immersing myself in one franchise like Star Wars deeply, and then mm-hmm. I switch out to Star Trek, Star Trek is like this new, fresh approach. It's There's similar signposts, but it's very different, and vice versa. So now to have Star Wars The Mandalorian on D- Disney Plus and Star Trek Picard Season 3 or basically the next generation, the new season, yeah. simultaneously running, uh, and they're both kind of at the peak of their game, That was it was good and sort of frustrating because every 24 hours you would have one in the next, and I didn't quite have as much time to soak in each franchise, but I was not complaining at all this spring in any way, shape, or form. And I thought, by the way, that I would, and uh, <laughs> I am a really happy person. Well, I like how the, the how I've always thought of Star Wars as the movie franchise and Star Trek for the most part as a television franchise with that occasionally dips into movies. But I mean, now they've kind of not really flipped because I guess Star Trek's really like doubling down on the series now. But so is Star Wars. And it's so fun to have like the Mandalorian and Andor specifically. It was amazing. And I really liked Obi-Wan. I know that there's some people that didn't like it. I thought it it gave me everything i wanted from a prequel series i guess yes. 
And uh, so, I mean, it's been nice to have that. And then the the new Trek shows, I've been, it, they've been kind of hit and miss. I, I liked Discovery at first. Then I, I could, I always thought it sort of fell apart every season. And then I really loved Strange New World. I mean, that's a, that's amazing Trek. The Star Wars, Star Trek release of things is now a television thing. The 2020s has firmly established that. That is the way, all the way. It's not just Star Wars and Star Trek, but that's where they are both showing their strengths and at the same time. And yeah, some of the Star Trek material that has come up basically from Discovery onward, which is their new live action television era, it has been spotty. It has been hit and miss. Star Trek Discovery had a really promising start and not an okay second season, which then, of course, gave us uh, Anson Mount and the original crew of the Enterprise. As yeah. Mike and number one and a new Spock. Those things were, were very nice. There was a lot of nuggets in that. And then Discovery season three comes along and I thought, well, they're going way into the f- spoiler alerts, by the way. We're just we're just going to spoil everything. Yeah. It's the only way to do this. But they go way into the future. And, oh, they're going to redo the, the, you know, clearing the deck. And they really don't. And it just didn't work out. And it, it was very disappointing to me because I loved the idea that Star Trek Discovery started with a not captain. Uh, it also started mm-hmm. with a black woman lead. And they were finally starting to fix a lot of the gender issues in terms of not just having, you know, white cis men as the lead on everything, although that's pretty much how Star Trek and Star Wars is going. But Discovery yeah. made the biggest efforts for diversity in that. And they and they really went through that big time in the fourth season. But the stories were just not very satisfying. So I wasn't feeling Star Trek as much, and it was disappointing. And then, and then Strange New Worlds comes out. And it's just great, because not only did I really need Strange New Worlds to work, I needed some Star Trek that was rhyming with me. But the unfortunate and I didn't see coming unbelievable disappointment of Picard's season one and two turned out for me, not for everyone, but for me to be the worst Star Trek I've ever seen in my life and could not have written in my world, something that was more disappointing. So now to see Picard season three have this big uh, difference. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I don't really care what they are. It works and it feels good. So Star Trek and Star Wars have had these ups and downs. I think Star Trek has had more time to, not align with a fan because there's more of it star wars has really been knocking things way out even if you thought well uh, book of boba fett that was that was really the mandalorian well yes it was the mandalorian season uh 2.5 very much and and, uh and that's what ahsoka is going to be if you don't know that it's going to be a lot more of its own thing i believe i don't have any insider knowledge but as someone and i know you're in this boat uh jay who has watched all of the Star Wars animated shows from Clone Wars to Rebels. Oh, yeah. You know how this is going to work in the minds of Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and the and the dozens of consistent show writers, show runner people that are involved in assisting people and so on and so forth. It's going to probably work. Um, it's not going to have the Star Trek, I think, downfall. And, you know, Star Wars movies, they've have been they've been a mixed bag but at this point you can kind of take just like with star wars well i like this flavor of the franchise not that one you can take what you want and go with it and i couldn't be happier to have a a monthly subscription to paramount plus and and to disney plus right now at this time in life i am i am such a supremely happy person about these franchises here in the spring of 2023 it's funny when you mentioned book of boba fett i realized when i was naming the star wars shows I completely forgot it because I I forgot about Obi-Wan and that's not because I didn't like it, but I'd forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny because there's, 
you know, the, there's some of those shows where I think the the fans really of Star Wars, like they've, and I know they take a hit a lot of the things that they expect to happen should happen. And if they don't, everybody gets really, really mad. And I think with, with Boba Fett, while I liked it, I feel like we kind of got the Boba Fett show we always wanted with Mandalorian. I don't really know why the show needed to happen, but I still really liked it. And I liked the Luke Skywalker stuff that happens in Boba Fett and yes. Ahsoka being there too. Like those two together, it was like Luke and Ahsoka. Dreams. Star well, Wars dreams come true. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't some gimmicky thing. It wasn't some epic battle. It was just the, the, the way that Star Trek and Star Wars or a lot of stories work best is yeah, you need to set action pieces and all that drama and tension and the visual things, but you also need moments of just ordinary interaction between characters. And that Ahsoka and Luke moment was so much with uh, just casual things, but that we were like absorbing a lot of it and we were imagining what they were thinking. Mm. Particularly, again, to call it back, it was sort of a deep cut, but if you had watched The Clone Wars and Rebels, that was something. The, it was a very rewarding experience. And I was um, never upset that Boba Fett happened the way it did. It told me this is the style of storytelling we're getting. I believe that it evolved the character in a way that made a lot of sense. I absolutely, absolutely loved how we learned about the indigenous culture of Tatooine. Because, you know, at first I'm like, are we going to Tatooine again? Jeez. <laughs> That's you where know? we always are. Nobody works. Gonna be in Tatooine. So, like, come on. But it did work. And but, not everything about that worked. And I think Boba punching his way out of the Sarlacc wasn't the, the thing I imagined. But I'm okay with it because we got there. And I like the way that Din Djarin, uh, uh, the Mandalorian, intersected with that. The, mm -hmm. the conclusion may be not the best thing in the world, but look, they can't all be uh, gold. They all can't be these diamonds. There's not an episode so far yet in the D Disney Plus Star Wars live action that I have not wanted to rewatch. There are a few <laughs> episodes of Star Trek on Paramount Plus in recent years that that are that but that does not include picard and what i need to ask you i mean we're on you know a rewatch podcast program it's about the rewatchability, and so we're we're ebbing into stuff that hasn't had you know is, this is lasting time yet as as we record this you know it's like a week and a half after uh, picard ended and uh, i'm halfway through my rewatch of picard season three i'm doing them one at a time that's how much i liked it and that's oh, I love. I mean, season three was, and it's funny because I love season three of Picard, and I really didn't care for the first season was fine, but I don't really remember it. Like that's 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 I don't really remember much exactly. about it at all. And Picard dies, and they have a positronic body, and uh, I remembered he was a robot. <laughs> like that's kind of syndrome, but it turns out it's not, which was a clever way of saving that. But it's, it's yeah, it's it, really not what I preferred. Well, and I pretty much binged to season two and three season two of, of Picard was just not, it doesn't have anything to do all. with what's going on. There are a couple of bits of information that come out in season three um, that relate to season two. And, and it's helpful. Uh, let me just be very clear. You know, in 2009, we saw the next Rick Berman, who was the producer of TNG Voyager enterprise, all that. And the new person is Alex Kurtzman. Mm -hmm. And Alex Kurtzman is a business person, and he's in the business of putting together shows and movies. And that person has to find people to do those things. Right. And as much as I'm not caring for a lot of the work, it's got to be everyone's coming together, right or not. And it's not just a single individual's problem. Um, so I don't want to lay this at the head of Alex Kurtzman. It, it, it's all his fault. This 
series of things didn't work out the way. I mean, it's to some degree, but it, it's really hard. And I think it's it shows you just how delicate a story, a show, a movie's story is because it can come apart so easily. Mm -hmm. um, all the right things were really in place for Picard and Discovery too, in terms of the cast. The actors were perfect. The the scenarios were moderate. They're workable. You know, they're all yeah. uh, science fiction. Come on. <laughs> it's all unbelievable. Jeez. Um, and even some of the story elements were like, well, okay, they can make this work if, but it just, it just fell apart too often. And I was just really, really disappointed. But Alex Kurtzman found a, a, a way to, bring in another person named Terry Metalis. And Terry was then able to pick up the pieces and figure out a new story. And it looks like they left him alone. And yeah. I kind of got that impression really by a lot of interviews deal. I've seen. And I also know this, uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes alluded to this just yesterday in the debut of the podcast shuttle, the shuttle podcast, which is from uh, Connor Turnier and Dominic Keating stars of, of enterprise. He was on there, did a 90-minute thing. Basically, he laid it out like I'm paraphrasing. But the, the reason that a lot of the decisions for the initial Picard uh, season coming out the way it did, for example, the fact that the Next Generation cast was not evolved at all was from Patrick Stewart. He was mm -hmm. an executive producer. He wanted it to be his own thing. He wanted to give it a go. And sometimes when you get some people in multiple lanes it doesn't work sometimes it does work for whatever reason the right people were given the right access or some people let go or were willing to try something daring and bold picard season three is what's called um i don't like this word because i think it's used as a pejorative but it's full of fan service but fan service really is putting in material that you recognize and that immediately rhymes with something that's happened in the past or that you see and mm -hmm. i think that picard season three did that very well while also introducing a great deal of originality, characters we cared about, uh, bringing in uh, Michelle Hurd and maintaining her line, and and Captain Shaw, oh my God, the bridge crew, the Titan, all of those things just kind of were where they needed to be. And a lot of it's luck and a lot of it's skill. I don't care how it happened. It 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 just did happen. And as of now, I'm feeling really good about Rewatching it because one thing happened when I was watching Picard season three for the first time around, especially the first few episodes. I was just really did not like season one and two so much that I was super skeptical. And I was in yeah, a I bet. bad mood about it. And Terry Metalis, I he was in a tweet chain of things, and I said, I'm you know what? This show's been so bad for me that I'm re I, I'm only reading spoilers before I even commit to it. And he <laughs> wrote back is like, Don't do it, man. Write to me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm being that guy right now. And so I I watched them often at two in the morning, so no one would spoil them for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew after I finally saw the last one that I'd be doing it. So, Jay, as this is the rewatch podcast, where is its rewatchability resting with you right now? Oh, season three is high. I would very much like to rewatch that again because Next Generation was Trek for me. I, I mean, the first Trek that I saw of any of it was Undiscovered Country. I, I'm pretty sure that was the first Probably thing. Probably make I a lot of sense to you, did it? No, but I liked it. Like I knew it wasn't Star Wars, but I there's something about it I really liked. And then well, I 1991, you were a child, right? I was nine years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was right about that time that like, I was when I saw the Empire Strikes Back for the first time, just as a point of reference. Oh, that would that would be great. Oh, yeah, I that was always it. that always existed in my lifetime. Oh my god. But it, Next Gen was on, and I I I had seen some of it, but then I really started to like it and I loved next generation and i remember when deep space nine came out i tried to watch it but it wasn't 
immediately next generation which you is were what just I too wanted. stupid to appreciate the, the the intellect of deep space Nine. i, I, I agree <laughs> I, and I, i've started it I, I started it last night because i wanted more star trek so i'm really in that mode well, right now but... that pilot and a couple of the dumb episodes they do in the first year you're going to see a few episodes in that first season which is abbreviated it's not a full 24 or whatever it is there are some episodes that set the tone really right one of them is an episode called duet you'll know it when you see it and that's that's part of where that heart of the show is at. And they finally get to where they need to be by second or third year, as it seems to be typical with these things. Right. You know, these shows are really, they were very restricted in what they could do. The, the one story that you hear all the time about all of those shows from Next Generation through Enterprise is that if they even wanted to change can to can't, they had to call it up and have it approved. So that show was tight and it was rigid and uh, the fact that any of it kind of worked is sort of a minor miracle with all the bureaucracies that were attached to it. But anyway, Deep Space Nine is going it, it is going to reward you. But I didn't mean to call you stupid. <laughs> but oh, it, no. People are it well is, aware. It is a little up here. You know, it's a little <laughs> up. It's up there a little bit. It's in. it's a little more for the head. Well, and, once I, when I watch Battlestar Galactica, uh, which, which one? 70s the, or the, the, the reboot that they had you just need to make that very clear are you talking to an old person here okay. that's true yes uh when when they brought that out and i really got into that even then i'm like i wonder if i'd like deep space nine now they sort of had a similar tone at times um at least from what i remember deep space nine being nothing compared to next generation for me so like i didn't really once i jumped off of deep space nine i never watched voyager i didn't watch enterprise and it wasn't really until the first J.J. Abrams movie that I got into the original series because I liked that a lot. I liked that movie quite a bit. I mean, it was very Star Wars ish. I mean, it, it felt like a Star Wars movie for the first time for me for a trek. So I went back and watched the original series and I loved that. And there's just I, but for Star Trek for me, I have to like be in the mode for it yeah. where I feel like Star Wars. I could watch any time. I could watch any Star Wars thing whenever. But with Trek, I kind of have to be in like the mindset of wanting to watch a Star Trek show. Well, here's me name dropping some of my experiences, but I went to uh, many San Diego Comic Cons because I was lucky and had connections with family that lived out there and all that crap. I've but always been jealous of you for that. Good. That was the point. That's the only reason <laughs> I went to make Jay uh, miserable. Like, oh, that bastard. You but did. I went to a lot of panels and there were a lot of funny ones. And uh, I can't remember who said it, but the, it wasn't the first time that's been said. But it was the first time I heard it. And anyway, they said Star Trek is your spouse and star wars is your mistress or <laughs> when i heard that that understood it because there's just a little bit more of a cheap throw qualities of some of the star wars things yeah it's cut faster and 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 it was always for so many years really it was a cinematic thing and anything that's cinematic even if it's not a great star wars movie mm -hmm. you watch any of those films don't even put the sound on and just spend a couple of minutes and count the count the shot edits you'd be surprised how many there are it's faster it's designed to really be reaching you fast it, it, it's super tight and and star wars was all or star trek was always made to go longer because it's television star trek always felt more like i don't want to say reality because it's not even close but like that, that's always the like impression that it's like that could be us if as a world we got our together we could yeah we could be star trek you, but you buy into Star Wars has that fantasy. That yeah, it's force. You just try to focus on moving an, uh, 
an object with your hand and shaking, you know, your head and trying to reach the force. You realize really quickly just how silly that is. Yeah. But the idea that maybe you don't stop trying. (laughs) No, you don't. Never, never, never. (laughs) But the idea that maybe a transporter could exist, which is probably the most terrifying and dangerous thing you could ever do to a person. You kind of buy it. You buy it just enough. You buy it Uh just enough. By the way, I would never, ever, ever, ever go through a transporter again. If I were any of the characters in Star Trek Picard after the, spoiler the, the 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 borg assimilation coding which was ingenious oh that, that was, was great terrifying and we basically had borg zombies and it, it was oh my gosh so you know mccoy was right stay out of the transporters don't <laughs> go into them it's a terrible idea to go to a transporter the reason i kind of want to talk about the third season of mandalorian and the third season of picard is it was just so interesting that they landed together and i didn't were they all there was less episodes of Mandalorian, right? Eight. Okay. Like, I, because I watch Picard all in, in one shot. Mandalorian, <laughs> I watch week to week. Because with Picard, have, I didn't know. You have got to stop binging things. You've got I, to I normally wouldn't, time. but I didn't like the first two seasons. So I didn't really, I, I wasn't know, jumping I for joy at the idea of watching the next gen crew old and probably. You followed done me on Twitter. Forward. You heard, you got the vibe. There's some texting messages. I mean, does my opinion not mean anything to it you? It does. Other one. It does. I, I got it. And then I figured it out. I'm like, okay. The, and the only thing that I was really spoiled on with Picard was the Enterprise. The Enterprise. That was the only thing that I, I knew. Well, and I it didn't watch my viewing of it at a, all. I got to watch it and, and got the whole. I I got what you couldn't, man. Yeah. Look at me. I'm happier than you are. <laughs> I was so, I like when it, when when the old Enterprise shows up and I'm like, that's that's my Enterprise right there. And Seeing that one and it, it coming back and looking exactly the way that it was and them walking on it, I'm like, I felt like I was doing it. Like, it was just, it was such a cool experience to see I that would, again. Because I didn't think it would happen after they destroyed either. it in uh, Generation. It makes sense of it. And frankly, some of the logic is a little lame. But again, don't think about it too much and it will work. Yeah, like, and it's fine. You know, oh, this thing is flying into battle without having been calibrated and tested. And there's just seven people. Come on. It's 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 saucer section that I guess they've tested it and flown it. <laughs> was that generations or was it first contact at that? It was generations. OK, that's what I thought. I couldn't remember. It's been a while since I've watched those. I drop a saucer on a foreign planet. Hey, you boys, it's like a chicken and egg thing with you, two. <laughs> I I love Shaw. I, I mean, at first I wasn't sure, but I'm like, oh, no, I love the characters and he yes. was Dip from chicago so good so he's, good um just, just his whole demeanor in that 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 turbo lift scene when he's you know they're going to talk to starfleet you know in the fifth episode or fourth episode when Riker and picard and shara in the turbo lift and Riker goes you know we have saved the galaxy before and shaw's got this he gets it he knows so there he goes yeah oh yeah i i know and then he goes through the whole thing about you know hot or they could think about you hot dropping a saucer section on a planet or or the and he refers to the time paradoxes of the, the best of both worlds uh-huh. and then he walks out with with all due respect and goes you know you guys have a chicken and an egg problem and i just that was it i'm like god this character is gonna die by the end of this season but wow yeah, that was the thing with that new with the crew of the new ship. You knew some of them were going to go, and I'm like, I don't want any of them to. I really like everybody that they've shown, except for the one that turned out to be bad, which you knew immediately he was a bad guy. He just had bad guy face. Yeah, exactly. And we we need to switch to Mando. But what's <laughs> really fulfilling here, and has been fulfilling about Picard season three and all of it, was the um, you know Patrick. He's the star. He's not the same 
person he was before, and he admits that. It's not the same gravitas, you know? Right. But you know who who's the gravity well on that show? And that is Jerry Ryan, a seven of nine. She was um, great. Unbelievable. She, that is the lead of the entire Picard series right there. And and to give her, spoiler alert, command of the uh, Enterprise G, mm -hmm. yes. I don't know if it'll turn into anything. They're being pretty secretive about it, but... They don't um, know. They, they, they're they smart and they keep their, their, their um, options open to conclude this book and maybe open another one. And yeah. uh, also to see Michelle Hurd in there as the first officer. So casting-wise, now we have two women in control of the Enterprise and one of them is a woman of color. Those are big deals um, in, in things that really need to be a part of more television and films going forward. And and that was satisfying plot-wise, but it was satisfying in, in so, so, so many ways for me. Earlier, you had mentioned the fan service aspect of, of Picard, and there was a lot of it. But it felt like it really happened organically, and it wasn't like... Where you look at Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, where... Well. That, that was just, I feel like that was just fan service on fan service on fan service. It they was just, they just threw it out because they're like, you know what? There's a lot of people that didn't like Last Jedi. We're really going to overcorrect on this one and give you bit. exactly what you want. But it just, things just happened. And with Picard, it was like, it all made so much sense why certain people would come back and how things happened. It just, it worked. It, for a me. lot of elements came in. Again, it is luck how it all works out because they, as it turns out, Terry was still writing the show as they were doing the filming of it it wasn't i mean it was wasn't being made up as they went but they weren't they didn't have every word it down no um and, and that happens all the time with television and films but in that star wars comparison too what we really saw and we're not going to make this about the star wars sequel but it, essentially we saw drafts of films that were presented and with a draft that means you've got some great ideas but you haven't figured out how to eliminate this and focus on that mm -hmm. and that's what made a lot of that Star Wars film business a little bit frustrating. Um, I don't think any of those filmmakers, there was only really two, as it turns out, J.J. Abrams and, and and Ryan Johnson did anything wrong. I think they were given a very difficult situation to build together, and they were not building it together. It's not mm -hmm. because they didn't like each other; it had nothing to do with it. That was the way they tried it. And and you know, Hollywood is a lot of smoke and mirrors, and 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 some of our favorite films are smoke and mirrors, man. And uh, in this case, we know where the smoke and the mirrors were and it didn't work out. But let's keep this in mind. This is how we get back to Mando. While Rise of Skywalker was out, if you remember, this, uh, the second to last episode of Mandalorian uh, came out and then the Rise of Skywalker debuted in December and they held a week before the finale. And that was in part to show the Grogu healing thing. So when Ray did her healing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about I mean, that. Some other things. <clears throat> but that was part of the way like, yeah, Jedi's do that. Oh, that's cool. When, when there was this divisive thing about like, well, Star Wars sucks now, right? Or Star Wars is great. I'm like, look, your flavors, this is the ice cream store. This is this is going to certainly be better than Baskin Robbins. You're going to have more than 31 flavors. If you don't like the sequel trilogy, it is not a big deal. Did you like The Mandalorian? Focus on that. It's yeah. great. And they're going to reference events in the timeline of the sequel trilogy as they have in sparing ways in ways that actually made a hell of a lot of sense. They're just sprinkling it in. I mean, they're just giving you a little bit here and there of like, we're going to try to kind of make sense of some things that maybe didn't, but they don't force it either. That Again, that's pretty organic of them. Just like, here, here's just little pieces here and there. And so and what we saw with that, with that third, for that third season was this kind of like, there were references to the first order coming in. My goodness. We see general Hux's father. Um, yeah. I was surprised was, by that. 
we're, oh yeah, so many surprises with this idea of clones and that, oh, are they, are they cloning the sidiest thing here? It turns out, no, not so much. The, this was Moff Gideon's plant and had nothing to do with Project ne what, Necromancer or whatever, which is ultimately mm -hmm. the sidiest thing, which by the way, is, has been talked about a great deal in the expanded universe. So it's not like that idea came out of nowhere. Right. But, you know, the thing about all of these shows is if you, if you want to drop off, for example, now with Mandalorian, that's season three, if you want to quit, it's cool. You could stop. They give you a period at the end. They of really this. did. And if if uh, it really got me on on three things at the end, I mean, you know, the lump in the throat, and that that's you know, I'm an old bitter jerk sometimes. But um, <laughs> when Grogu was protecting Bo-Katan and Din Djarin from the fire, something about that really, really got me. It's because Grogu looks like the cat that you knew could always protect you or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that really got me when Din Djarin said he wants to adopt. Um, it's like all, a lot of these adoption videos where children ask a person, will you adopt me? It was that level of like emotion and like, you know, it was, it was, we're going to formalize this thing right now. And wow. And then I believe that that last shot of Din Djarin on the porch, Grogu hanging out, playing with the frogs in that Iris clothes. I don't, don't ask me where that got me, but it <laughs> Got it me. was a it was a really n nice oh. shot there, and it was like a it really did have like a, a a western ending. Like the show's always kind of been this weird futuristic spaghetti western, and they're like on their little ranch or whatever, just hanging out and waiting to do the whole you know bounty hunter thing whenever they want. But I mean, if they wanted yeah. to end Mandalorian, they totally could because they really I mean, they didn't wrap up the story, but it could be over if they wanted it to be. I mean, it's it was what I call a period. They they, they yeah. closed this trip, this book, and you can pull in another one. I, I think Stranger Things did that a lot of times. A lot of their season ends were like, you can stop here if you feel like it. But mm -hmm. there's dangling things, a little different. But that's the kind of ideology that I that I look at things. Uh, I think the first two years of Westworld did that too. I mean, they were you could stop, and I, and I like if you're going to do a television season and you're going to try this deep dive, give us a, give us an off ramp if we choose to. Don't dangle us forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think Mandalorian actually kind of did that with each season to some degree. I do and, too. Like I, you could even you could even say the the Luke ending of of season two would have been a perfect what a way to stop the show if you really wanted to. I mean, those two seasons. I mean, they're about as perfect. Talking about something get. that gets you, by the way, that last cheese, Christ, the last two minutes of season two. I can't. I, I, can't I know. I can't even. I watched so I many even. reaction videos to that of people going nuts over Luke showing up. And then like, because I, I, I had that feeling of like, is it? No, it's not. It can't be. The best way of revealing that. And they talked about it as they did the making up thing. It's like, we're going to tell you exactly who it is. And you're going to know, but you're not going to believe it. We're going to show yeah. you another thing that's like, it's obviously Luke, and you're going to like, no way, man. It's not. Mm -hmm. It isn't. And, it, it, you know, all of that, all of that business with, with uh, season two. And even we knew, we already kind of knew that Rosario Darson or a live action version of Ahsoka was. And that was over a Thanksgiving weekend. I remember that Friday morning, got up late and watched that at noon with my significant other who hasn't seen Meeting the Clone Wars. And what I loved about that is they, with that episode, The Jedi, you see, you see this dark mist, and within sixty seconds, you know they don't they don't hold this thing out where the last shot is Ahsoka. No, it's there and it's Ahsoka right away. is is in this is the Ahsoka you know, or you you believe you know you can yeah. believe this is the person who has grown, and and then the cliffhanger you get at the end of that is I'm looking for Thrawn, and you're like this 
franchise is going places beyond the Mandalorian. And which takes me back to season three, which is kind of our focal point. They rewardingly do this. So we've talked, mentioned often in our conversations that we really appreciate the animated series, the Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm -hmm. And there are times that you could see this being the live action more than any other time in Star Wars, that Mandalorian season three really, really gives us that. Even this episode with Lizzo, who I deeply adore, was the weakest episode, but I love Lizzo and I didn't care if it was just a little goofy. <laughs> what I loved about that episode, though, was it, it, it was a real live action, a little out of place, but it was exactly like a Clone Wars episode. And it, it was. That was the first thing I thought when I saw it. And, and it did serve the purpose of showing, well, here's how outer rim worlds work, and this is how it can be. And then at the end, the dark saber issue is resolved with Bo-Katan and her old peeps. And I like that. I love the fact that we weren't going to, I didn't want to see Din Djarin and Bo-Katan throw down. I've seen Battlestar Galactica and I love it. I don't need to have every cliffhanger where every main character is trying to kill or outwit the other one in some way. It's yeah. good. But I didn't want to see it. And when I, when, when that's the result of what the dark saber was, I couldn't have been happier and when the clans kind of slap each other around but don't go to some kind of a, a culture war with each other and they come together at the end i love that i and, loved that I, did, I didn't see that coming i really thought it was going to oh, end up being a war between the two and i was like oh they worked it out with words they did and, and they did all the classic star wars cutting between multiple battles and mm -hmm. all of the action in in mandalorian season three i think i don't think many if there is maybe just one or two but it's all this atmospheric uh starship dogfight battle with the interceptors and all of that it's on the surface and it is some of the best tie fighter chase stuff that i, I well it's, it's i could not have imagined it it was just so supremely good and the mandalorians at the the end of episode eight flying down and up it that could have been really silly he could have felt like uh you know an infinity wars kind of a vibe but it wasn't I mean, no. because they move along they get to it there's no traitor, you know, within their midst. That was another thing that the internet was going crazy with. Like, there's the internet. But various people that are good commentators, they were like, well, this episode's called The Spies. So who else is the spy? Who's the spy among Din Djarin? And all that? I'm like, there isn't one. And there wasn't. Because that, even if there had been, I would have been annoyed. Because, like, here we go. Another high-pressure turncoat, turncoat, turncoat. The mm. tension's elsewhere. Now, admittedly, the tension in, in the episode that ended with the... Uh, Moff Gideon. I don't know that it was the most incredible reveal that he was trying to make, you know, copies of himself. It, it made sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way that he went down fairly quickly, eh, whatever. But it, it it still was very nice because, again, they had some great moments with how Grogu rescues Bo and, and, and Din Djarin by shielding them from the fire and all the little kind of gimmicky but effective emotional beats that come in and really really sell some of the weakest parts of that and to see grogu fighting defensively with with moff gideon and helping his father din Djarin, all of that all of that all of that all of that and have i said i'm happy about this a hundred times since we've started our you seem pretty thrilled uh i liked i loved the base like the imperial base that was like in the rubble of mm -hmm. mandalore the, there's the uh the star wars games they have right now the uh, jedi survivor and fallen order before there's bases like that all over in those games. So I'm like, well, they're really like incorporating all that. And I'm just waiting for them to include that, the main character from those games into the, into the shows because it, it just feel like he would fit so well, but yeah, that um, hasn't happened yet. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, 
I'm not a gamer story follower, but I'm aware of what's going on to some degree. And <laughs> story group has got their act together, man. I do think this season of Mandalorian wasn't quite as good as the rest. No. But like even like the Lizzo and Jack Black, like the second I saw him, I'm like, oh, man, the Internet's going to be real pissed off. It wasn't my favorite episode, but it, like we were saying, it immediately reminded me of Clone Wars. Yeah. And the whole season kind of had that Clone Wars feel of like Clone Wars as a whole is really great. But there are those weird episodes, like especially if there's about droids. I hated the droid, any of the droid episodes. They were um, not the best ones. That four episode arc of the Clone Wars is just it, it's a little better now in hindsight because you mm -hmm. know it ends. The storytelling is very similar and, and I love Rebels, so I'm really excited Ahsoka was a character when I found out about Ahsoka, as I'm sure many people did. Like, no, that's stupid. I don't want that. Anakin didn't have a, a Padawan. And then I watched it. And Ahsoka's easily become like one of my favorite Star Wars characters. She's the most developed Star Wars character in the okay. entire franchise. Animation counts, my friends. And and it, she is she became that for me. Probably in spoilers, Rebels, when we bring her back into the fold of things. We understand yeah. what her fate is within the Jedi temple and the realm of time. And, you know, uh, talk about transformative that final of the rebels was just like another, another super, super transcendent moment. I'm saying transcendent a lot because <laughs> it's the appropriate word for it. Here's the thing. Uh, when clone wars ended at season five, going back in time a bit, it was mm -hmm. a cartoon network show. The show started in 2008, and where was it? Somewhere around 2012-ish. That uh, or 13, the fifth season finale came out, and Cartoon was that Network on Netflix then was not. It was it was on Cartoon Network. Okay, that's right. And you can buy them on iTunes because streaming wasn't really happening. When Ahsoka walks away, that was a great ending. That mm -hmm. that thing, you want to again another really stopping moment for me. And to see that it could continue on Netflix with another season that made sense. The very last year I went to Comic-Con was 2018. And Filoni was presenting. And it was a 10-year anniversary for the Clone Wars. And Ashley Eckstein, who's Ahsoka. Matt mm -hmm. uh, Lauder, I can't think of his last name. He plays uh, Anakin. And uh, Kevin Kiner, the person who does the music. And they, and they were just recapping things. But they were talking about that last episode where Ahsoka walks away. So the talking about this and the actors are getting really emotional and it's really nice to see that that happens at these panels. And then at the end they go, well, well, you know, Dave Filoni being all cool. Well, we do have one thing to show you. And so it's like, we're all good. The lights go out and you see this, it, what it turns out to be is the trailer for the clone wars returns on Disney plus. We, Disney plus wasn't a thing yet. We didn't know where mm -hmm. it was going to be, but when you see that with a, Oh, it's a box set, right? You know, yeah. it's going to be a box set with how they do it. And then you see the shot of Ahsoka talking to Anakin and Obi-Wan in a, in a hologram thing. And you knew it was new and the thing came out and the Clone Wars is back and everybody in that room genuinely in a way that I have not seen at a convention lost their ever loving fucking shit. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody. And so this was for me a birthing of optimism for what could be coming on an unknown streaming platform. So when Mandalorian hit, with their very first episode and it worked and they just kept working and working and then Ahsoka comes into it and now at the end of this year we're getting our series. That's kind of a long way of saying just how supremely well done I believe that Star Wars has been generally done particularly for television 
and it's just paying off and paying off. And the clunker episodes are are hardly clunkers anymore since 2019 rolled around. There really are no rotten eggs in Star Wars episodes. They're favorites, but I have I, I it is something else. It is well. Else. You know, on like May 4th, oh yeah, I'll watch one of the movies. Like I'll just pick one of the movies. It would usually be Empire Strikes Back. Sometimes it'd be Sith, just randomly. Sure. But like lately, I haven't gone to the movies. I've gone to the Ahsoka episode of, of Mandalorian, or I've watched the last three episodes of the Clone Wars series. Because yes. I think the last three episodes... The last four the episodes, they were, movie. they were in three parts, and they had four parts. Yeah, the, it's like a yeah, two-hour right. thing. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. That, I'm I mean, sorry to correct you. I'm just older and wiser than you. That block is that block of episodes is maybe. I mean, I think that's one of the best Star Wars movies that you could have had. What is happening with uh, another series that I think everybody needs to see because you don't need to know anything at all, and that's the uh, short animation series Star Wars Visions. I'm trying to think if I watched Visions. I don't know that I watched. You I, wait, maybe I did. Are did, an idiot if you haven't watched. It. Did, did Vision <laughs> was that the one with? Uh, Dooku stuff, Dooku episodes. No, or? no, 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 no. That's Tales of the Jedi. Okay, so I've seen that. I haven't seen Visions. Those are nice too, but they are again in there's a very vested in a canonical storyline. Here's the deal with Star Wars Visions is there are I can't remember how many eight or ten of them, and they're all shorts, you know, six to maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And each of them are in a different animation style. Mm -hmm. Each of them are a slice of what a Star Wars story could be. And it helps if you understand the basics of Star Wars, but these are standalone what-if stories. Uh, if anyone's seen the what-if Marvel, it's a little like that, but not quite even as invested and not as long. So these right. are just short standalone stories that take place somewhere in the Star Wars galaxy, and each of them is in a different style. And they, it is a one and done. You watch it, move on. Doesn't matter what order you see them in. And for Star Wars Day 2023, the next round of Star Wars Visions stories are on there. And mm. there are a lot of nods to the uh, Akira Sarwa uh, re uh, references that George Lucas talks so fondly of, the, the great director of Seven Samurai and so on. They are stupendous. And and if you need a break, you know, somewhere between all the canonical things, you, you kind of want to watch that. It's such, it's, such a it's such a nice break for the brain. They're smart. They're good. But you don't need to know everything. Right. So good. So good. I find it's so refreshing to find stuff like that now because I feel like everything that comes out is so connected to something else. It's like, can we just have our own, like that's our own things? I promise you. I promise you. I know that. I can hear. I guarantee you that's what it is. Take a break from the slog of canon. Watch Star Wars Visions. I hope somebody from Lucasfilm hears this and quotes <laughs> me in saying it because if there's one thing I get out there, one message I get out there, and all the work I'm doing this year, that's the thing I want to get out. Watch Star Wars Visions. Anyway, I, I think that was the th one of the things, too, that I enjoyed so much when Mandal Mandalorian first came out was you didn't need anything else. Like, it was its own thing. It, it wasn't, you know, it didn't involve Skywalkers, didn't involve any of that stuff. It was just its own deal. And, I mean, yeah, they're getting further and further into what we know and and now especially with ahsoka getting more jedis involved and i'm fine with that because i love ahsoka but that was kind of the nice thing in the beginning of mandalorian but i kind of got a little bit of burnout by the end of season three because you know boba fett was such a cool looking character and he was so unique and that's what people loved about him because he's barely really barely even in the movies mm -hmm. and then you got it with mandalorian and, and it was you know you just had the one dinjarin character mainly i mean there was a few that we saw but I feel like we're getting so many 
Mandalorian characters with the same style helmet and everything else. And I'm like, I the the uniqueness of well, the, the original on, idea of Boba Fett. Phones are based on them, so you know. <laughs> it's 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 really like fading for me. And I felt like that was kind of a special thing about him and it was mysterious and everything and there's just they just keep there's just more mandalorians and there are and and you know it was a little bit tiring although in the second watch it was better but rebels you know the last season of rebels had a big mandalorian arc and oh yeah it's shorter than you think it is but it was like oh my god i'm gonna keep track of all these clans and these cults Mm -hmm. and things and these beliefs and this this (laughs) is that what smartly or at least i believe to be smartly they did and into live action adaptation is they found the strongest character and brought that person to lead, and that is Bo-Katan as Katie Sackhoff, or Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan. I don't know, maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> and to have her be in that character that is able to take off her helmet mm-hmm. with the armor and and all armorer's permission and all that, you're not just dealing with a with a, a, a masked you know, person in the Mandalorian thing, you're dealing with uh, all the range of expression. And it's also worth note, and you keep jumping around on this, but another, this is this entire characterization of Grogu, which is all based on the, the look and the emotional connection and the silences, the way that Grogu choose, it's like a cat, right? When the, when the cat chooses you, it's special. Mm-hmm. And the way that Grogu just chooses Bo-Katan and, and, and really appreciates Bo's company and is sitting on her lap, you know, in the starship and all those things like that. Or when Bo-Katan says, did you think your daddy was the only, your father was the only Mandalorian? Yeah. There's just, it just. It I was, like that was, part. I just love it all. I love it all. And I certainly love the fact that the Mandalorian expansion, I, I agree, it was a little bit tiresome. But having her in there, that's as the center, as the number two Mandalorian on set, you know, because Din Djarin is right. the number one. I think it was a good balance because Bo is a very identified, unique character in a completely different situation. And, you know, where Din Djarin has his hardcore beliefs and she does too, but they don't mean like he could care less about the dark saber. And she's like, no, you don't understand. He's like, yeah, I do understand. I just don't care. But I, I love that he never did. Deal, I love the whole time. Cool. He's like, I don't give a about this. Yeah. Take it, take it. I don't want it. <laughs> and then the habit, by the way, get, get broken. I think that was very symbolic. And I'm, I'm like, good. Uh, overall, I thought the season was good. I think Picard season three kind of killed it. I mean, it was, I, I like that way yeah. more. I'm definitely going to watch that again. I would like to have had them before. that happen at the same time, just to give me the immersion factor. Yeah. But that's okay. And, you know, Mandalorian also did a little bit of that too with, I watched the Bad Batch. It wasn't their best year. I think they had, it could have been about half the number because they kind of wandered a bit, but they're, they're focused on that. That's yeah. some hardcore dark things. It really is. Yeah. I've heard right about the Empire. Yeah, but the fact that it was running at the same time that the Mandalorian early ones were, was a little bit much. I wanted more space. I wanted more Star Trek over the years. And, you know, Star Trek has been doing the same thing. You know, one thing that kept crossing my mind when, and when Picard was on how much I like the character of Riker, like I always have, he's always been one of my favorites. And I just kept thinking like, why did he never have, like, why didn't he spin off? He seemed like the kind of character that they would have leaned on. But maybe he just has to be that secondary. Well, I don't think character. it's complicated. Is that they just weren't doing television. At yeah. Time. And, you know, one of the questions that came up that Jonathan Frakes answered, he's a director and he's directed many episodes of all franchises except for Enterprise. And the reason he didn't is he was busy uh, trying to work his way through the theatrical world. And he did the theatrical adaptation of the Thunderbirds, just the marionette English show. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do well. And, and as he's said it many times in conventions, 
He says, I was put in uh, movie jail, meaning no one's going to let me direct a feature. <laughs> so he's out of the film world. And he said he'd like to do it maybe. But what what he says is also great about television is when you're directing, you know, you're, you're instead of spending one or two years, you know, taking up your whole life with the television episode, you're, you've got, you know, a few weeks, three weeks, four weeks and you're out. You're done. You have to have to move. But anyway, Frakes is busy is probably one of the reasons why that never happened. But Frakes, could he? Could Riker be the lead? Probably, but you know, there's always this. We're, we're grounded with our cornerstones of Star Trek, mm-hmm. and they happen to be the leader of the the ship, the captains. We we're kind of programmed to like that, yeah. And and for better or worse, that's how it is. And because Picard was so displaced in season one or two, it was a bold idea, but he would. We did not have that thing we could rely on in, in a some way. And I think writing wise, we. It was it was very hard to get to that level. And with Picard season three, it's not that he I mean, he's the captain emeritus, the admiral emeritus, mm-hmm. more or less. And he's butting heads with Shaw and Riker's there, too. And then Riker and Picard go at it and all that. They, they got to get worked. I love that episode. I thought that was great. Remove yourself from the bridge. Yeah, uh-huh. just kill us all. Like, hell yeah. But anyway, that. You, you, I think we just have enough enough places to round our expectations. It's a, it's a very bridge heavy series of shots, mm-hmm. right? And where do we know Star Trek to work often the best is on the damn bridge. Yeah, better or worse, that's where it's happening. And as you watch Deep Space Nine, that's going to be a little disorienting because there isn't a bridge necessarily. I was I was realizing that yesterday. Like I, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They're kind of all over. And there's going to be some things that go down, and it's it's. <laughs> that show's gonna it, it it works for what i'm it excited is. to get into that stuff because i feel like i i should have from the beginning and i just i don't think i was old enough to really appreciate it and then those other shows weren't next generation and that's all i really wanted with yeah. star trek that's why this i think this season of Picard it wasn't was so just you either there were a lot of adults that had that vibe and art is here for the long term and this is why i was a little hesitant to, to be so enthusiastic about oh, i'm gonna Rewatch Picard season three now. I'm not proclaiming it's the best thing ever, but I'm having a good vibe. I've it's learned pretty close. I loved it so well, much. Well, you got to give yourself time. Like, yeah, I, you know that time that maybe you had a friend or a relationship or whatever, and like they're the greatest person ever, and then suddenly something changes. Right? It's like, well, yeah. they're no longer the greatest person. This thing is, or this person is, or this mood is, or whatever. Art is like that. I mean, we're all that. We, we're working with our emotions. We're not watching Star Trek or Star Wars for logic. We're watching it to suspend our disbelief in, in mm-hmm. the most ridiculous of ways. And the more that we can hang on to it, the more fulfilling it is, that fantasy and in, in, in stretching it out. When we are able to make that connection, we're able to have our emotions working overtime. And I think we need to give ourselves time and space from that to assess over time. It's okay to say like, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Watch it in a year. Another absolutely not secret from the world about the two of us as individuals. Anyone that knows us knows that we have a bit of a movie collecting problem on our shelves. Yes, that is very true. Ridiculous number of reissues, new films, a lot of the new 4K masters. And it's a wonderful time to be doing that, by the way, because these films may, if they never look better than this, it's great. Um, and if you have a nice screen and even a basic surround, uh, or you will someday later, um, these discs and even streaming can work sometimes if you get a good rate, but these presentations are really, we're able to do theater quality, like exhibitions in our homes. when we tune things up without having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Both of us have different setups, but we're both finding that these films are rewarding. And so here's what's, what happens. 
is like, oh, vinegar syndrome or uh, Diabolic DV has this cult horror thing out that it's in 4K. It's been remastered and it's really stupid, but I can't wait to see <laughs> it. And then you watch it, it's like, no, oh, this, this is my kind of stupid. Or it's like, yeah, well, I spent $35 for that on on the I know. day. Okay. It's good. I do that less often, but my, my thing is I watch those and I put them aside and I give myself time to think about it. And the same thing happens with films that I dismissed years ago or avoided that I didn't really care for. And now that I'm seeing them again, I change my sense of appreciation or it, that I really like it or I don't. And I think we have to give ourselves that room with star Wars and star Trek, which is why I tell people to be careful with binging because it may not be what you think. Now, look, I've done it. It's not, it's not me. It's not you. We're not doing it the right or wrong way, but obviously if you give yourself time and that's why, yeah. as I do my Picard rewatch, it's not two in a day. It's one every day or two. And, and uh, I think that's important, but people can consume art any way they want. You don't have to do it the way I'm doing it, but I just advise make time something that allows you to evaluate this art and these are the arts these are the arts that we love and and don't take anybody's guff about you know it's you know it's not a serious film it's not a you know a really big dramatic thing well i don't like space things all right well well give it a shot you might (laughs) you know no 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 there's some of these people and and that's okay they don't have to i don't like this you know b-grade horror stuff and and uh, as long as they don't give you a hard time about liking it i don't really care i like that contrasting but the moment it becomes super condescending it's it's just really hard to talk to. I have a lot of strong feelings about this because I'll tell you what, my other favorite film in the world is 2001, a film which you can't somehow get through. But now I've tried to do it Deep once Space all the way Nine, through. Now that you're watching Deep Space Nine, now maybe you'll have the brains to. Maybe I'm ready. <laughs> there, there was a time I will I will I would argue that I believed truly that Attack of the Clones was as good as Empire Strikes Back. It happens. You were a young. Did I know you? No, I didn't. Quite. Yeah, it was yeah. Just, just after Attack of the Clones. It was just that's after right. Attack. Oh my god, our twentieth anniversary is our twentieth anniversary is past, brother. Oh, that's crazy. Jay was a student of mine while I was an adjunct instructor at Iowa Central Community College for production and operations. And I was your pal. It was one of those deals where they just used the, the, the hell out of you as an adjunct. You're basically full time, and the other, the full time person there, and the, the, the coordinator, the manager, the director of broadcasting was really cool and wonderful friend of ours to this day. Both of yeah. us. Amy Simpson, and we just really, you have to be an asshole to not like Amy. That's all there is to it. And she and I really worked really well. We're about the same age. So we had a lot of cultural similarities and, and whatever. And we would talk about you guys all the time. Like, what's wrong with these dumb kids? You know, and all that. <laughs> and, oh, this guy's great. This one's not. Anyway, Jay and I go back all the way back there where he was a student. And, and listening to this wiry instructor talk super serious about, like, production techniques and, like, do it my way and then find your way. Like I didn't yeah. care how you did it, but I need you to learn how to do it one way and then figure it out. And then the whole spacey thing, you know, films would come out. Absolutely. It did. You of- used to show me the quick time behind the scenes, star Wars videos yes. of the making of, of episode three. I mean, that's, that's how I, that's how I knew eventually when I was going to have you on here, it was going to be star 20 Wars, years star ago. I know I'm going to have, I'll show this son of a <laughs> when I get older and become a real doll. I'm going to have my podcast because <laughs> <laughs> i've never forgotten waiting in line all day at merle hay to see episode three and i mean you were there with me right we weren't yeah. together, but we were both there right yeah you you invited uh trey and i to go and oh, I uh, it, there was never an i've never had an experience where did i buy you your, did i hold on did i buy you your tickets right uh i don't 
if you did, I don't remember if you, you actually paid some, for the tickets. Do you owe me some money from 2005? You and Trey? Maybe. Sons of bitches. The Rewatch Podcast is an alpha media production. Next time on the Rewatch Podcast. I tried. I tried. I tried. I saw them enough. I saw them on f***ing DVD. Then I saw them on f***ing Blu-ray. And I saw them on 4 f***ing K. And the end result was you can all f*** off.